the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sadly, too many people think when they shouldn't that the pressure or trial in our lives is due to the sin in our lives. We'll talk about that coming up next here on Truth For Today. Join us. Feeling pressured at the moment? Maybe you find yourself under a trial or some persecution. And you begin to wonder why God is doing it. Well, as we'll see today, there is a purpose for our pressures. We're in 2 Corinthians as we continue our series, Bruised While Blessed. Our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, will direct our attention to this wonderful understanding that there are times that we are being bruised for God's blessings and not punitively. With the details, once again, Pastor Phil Howard and this edition of Truth For Today. For years, my sister was my uh, administrative assistant, and Donna was in the office during those years, many of those years, joined, and eventually when my sister retired, Donna became my personal secretary. And they both were wonderful encouragers. They were wonderful comforters. I I was struck by the people they comforted. Here Hazel was, a, a single woman, never married, uh, the oldest of us surviving children, the matriarch of our family, strong, didn't like to work with women, give me the men, I could handle them, strong Christian servant, and I noticed the Christian workers would come to see her, it seemed like, uh, discouraged. She was my personal exhorter, comforter, all the years of my ministry. Because she could infuse courage in you when you were beat up. Very strong. Workers would come in. And Hazel would be, they went through Kleenex like you wouldn't believe. They'd weep and cry. People struggling with the class. Struggling with this. It seemed to be so many people involved in some aspect of church work. Got hurt. Got offended. Uh, it's not going good in their assignment. And, and all that. She seemed to be especially used of God to comfort those people. But we had Donna. Donna was a woman whose husband abandoned her and left her with three daughters. A gal that had been on the bar stool. A gal that had had many a tear. A gal that uh, had to go to the workforce to support three children. Uh, A gal that had the struggles of a single mother and the heartbreak of a divorced woman. I mean, she had just the opposite kind of life. Hazel had always kind of been in the church, dedicated, pray the word. Donna had great sorrows. Man, I'd look over. It seemed like every single woman or every woman having trouble in their marriage or, or have a child that was in trouble. or they, All the very, very troubled people would go to Donna. And she's over there. And I'm thinking, girls, we got work to get done. You both run the counseling ministry. Hazel's over here with the worker. Donna's over here with some broken gal fighting the bottle, fighting the unfaithful husband. Boy, they go to Donna. 
But man, they'd pour the words. They'd encourage. They'd weep. They'd pray. They were encouragers. If I'm really broken and I haven't got it all together, Donna looks real good. She'll know how to encourage me. If I'm a discouraged, beat-up worker, I'll talk to Hazel. She'll tell me not to quit. She'll tell me not to throw in the towel. She'd infuse courage in you. And then I think when I first saw the church, I've told this before, I, I'm always moved by it. It really happened. My father died within 10 months, I believe, around 10 months after starting the church. Cancer hit him, and he's our first funeral. But one day he called me and he said, uh, Philip, I, I want you to take me to a funeral in San Rafael. He said, I, I got to be with this couple. I got to go, got to go. Well, my dad was having chemo, nauseated, throwing up. Sometimes you pull off the road so he could throw up. Chemo was making him so sick. And, and I said, Dad, you have no business going to a funeral. You're a sick man. Why in the name of heaven do you want to go to a funeral when you're dying with cancer yourself? That's not for you. He said, I'm your father. I'm going to this funeral. Will you pick me up? I took him. We went over there. A lot of preacher friends we grew up with. A lot of guys. I'm in the back. I've been talking to preachers, swapping dates, swapping preacher stories, and meeting, hugging guys I hadn't seen since I was a boy. We were having a big time. And I looked down the aisle, middle aisle, and my dad was right there. And Paul Dixon was on one side, and Cheryl was the other. And they just had buried this seven-year-old girl, I believe. And he had them kind of in a huddle. And he's praying with them. And he's talking to them. And all this. And so finally, we go. We're going home. I said, Dad, why did you have to do this? Are you sick? I had to get him home as soon as I could. So he'd throw up some more. I said, why did you insist? This seems impractical. He said, oh, it's easy. In the 30s, your mother and I buried two boys and there was no one to comfort. We were both the eldest of 10 children and you couldn't write home for any help. Mom and dad had nine at home still. They couldn't send money. We're up in El Dorado, Kansas where it gets sub-zero weather and I was so broke I couldn't pay the heat bill so we burned tires to keep from freezing to death. There was a dust bowl 1930 to 1937. There was a depression in 1929. The country was in the throes of everything. And God takes my two boys. My wife has a nervous breakdown. We're broke. We're beat up. We're aching. And when no human comfort was there, God comforted us. My mother still... Seemed like she went insane, but came back. He said, I owed it. I owed it to this couple. Let me tell you, Paul and Cheryl, I know the God 
who will comfort your heart. Because he found me and my wife in 1936 in El Dorado, Kansas. And he held up our broken hearts. He's the God of all comfort. And he allows us our problems. Not to make us hard, tough. But to fill up our cup. Because people don't want to hear about your successes. They want to hear about divine comfort. Don't tell them how much money you make. Don't tell them where you live or what kind of car. When their heart's breaking, they need a word that says, I can get through this. Have you ever had God comfort you in the midst of your problem and you never thought you'd come through? But he got you through. Well, that's what he said. God is wanting to produce a family of comforters. Don't stand around like Job's comforters and tell Job everything. You must not be God's man. Uh, God's man can't suffer this much. You, you got to have health and wealth. And I'm telling you, these charismatics that teach that, they weren't around when the early Pentecostals started out because they were all broke. They were all Midwestern and they're barely surviving. Nobody was talking to us about health and wealth. Just a bunch of poor people that God was our only treasure. There was no false hucksters trying to tell us we had to drive a Cadillac or we weren't God's man. You could actually own a Ford and be God's man. He goes on. Two, let me tell you about an experience I had, verse 8. I was in the province of Asia. Most likely Ephesus. Acts 19, they had the riot and nearly killed Paul. And while I was there, a sentence of death was handed to me. And the word for sentence here is used of an official report from the government. Probably a death warrant. A death warrant, most likely, had been given to kill Paul when he was in Asia. And he said, this is it. I despaired of life. They're going to kill me. They didn't kill him in Ephesus. They wind up beheading him in Rome. But he said, I was in such despair. I was burdened beyond our strength. I despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this was for our purpose. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The Corinthians, just like Americans, were proud, independent, self-sufficient. Timothy Savage wrote a book on the Corinthians called Power Through Weakness. He said there's five characteristics. Rugged individualism. And self-sufficiency. That was the Corinthian attitude. Rugged individualism. Self-sufficient. Two. Wealth was the key to status in society. How much money you make. Three. You must flaunt your accomplishments. Where you went to school. How much you were. What you possess. To win favor with people. They were. If you got it. Flaunt it. Fourth, a competition for honor and station and much boasting about your accomplishments. Fifth, believe it or not, a great boast about where you lived. 
Because your neighborhood would indicate your importance. This was the Corinthian mindset. Corinth was the Las Vegas, New York City, L.A., San Francisco of the ancient world. It's where you went to party. It's where you went to make money. It's where you went to be independent, cool, slick. We're on the latest. We've got the bucks. We've got the cars. We've got the women. We're in the right place. What happens here, nobody's going to know about. A wicked, prosperous, self-sufficient city. And here Paul came preaching a message of the weakness of God that he would die on a cross. This offended them intellectually. They threw it up in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Get out of here with this message of the cross. It's stupid and foolish. We won't allow it in our philosophy department. And now, 2 Corinthians. We've seen his apostle. And we've heard of his beatings, his suffering. Don't give us a beat up preacher and a beat up an apostle. If God is all powerful, surely he could display it in his servants to be all powerful. And yet, an all powerful God has this weak servant. Who says, I've got a thorn in my flesh I can't get rid of. I've got a treasure in a clay pot. I'm beset with weakness, fears, enemies without and within. As you go through the book, you're going to feel depressed. And he's telling you what he felt. And here he said, I'm telling you, I nearly despaired of life when I was in Asia. Why? God wanted to show me. Maybe you've gotten a little bit too proud, Paul. I'm going to show you you can't get out of this in your own power. It's going to take my power. You've got to rely on me. It's where I find in the church, it's hard for people. Sometimes, I've not seen this always true, but I've seen people that are independent, self-sufficient, not necessarily money, because I've seen people with money love God, serve. But there's self-sufficiency. I can do it. And all of a sudden they get in church work and, and a lot of business types. They say, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, because you can hire everybody you want or fire. In the church we work with volunteers. We don't pay everybody. And you can't come in and buy a soul. Only God can save. Only God can change. And it involves weeping, intercession, pleading, mourning in the spirit, grieving, wanting people saved, changed. And your money won't buy them out. And your PhD won't set them free. And your buildings won't set them free. It'll take the power of the living God that can raise the dead to set them free. Only God can do it. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not of men. We're messengers of a great Savior. But this God happens to have plenty of power. Try raising someone from the dead to see how much it takes. And know what it is to be wrung out like this. I remember uh, being so wrung out uh, in ministry that I, I despaired of ever continuing And uh, all I had to offer God was moans, groans. And this is my prayer life. I describe my prayer life 
as a groaning time. I can't tell you anything intelligent that I said. I had prayer life at one time that was one, felt like I touched heaven every time I got on my knees. But I remember going months. All I would do is put my nose on the rug and groan. The church was in trouble. My home was in trouble. Fighting for my girl. My wife said, I'm going to leave you. I can't stay anymore. I'm too broken. If you don't want to go, I'm leaving. I said, oh, I, I can't give you up. I'm going to. Got her under a doctor's care so she could sleep. Because depression and nerves took away sleep. I offered the resignation to the elders. They said, you need to get away. If you still want to leave, we'll take it later. I was pressed, pressed, pressed. I saw no way out. Just give me my girl back. Give me my wife back. Keep Holy Ghost Hall. Keep the theater. Nothing to die for down there anyway. Just an armpit location. But I happened to love the congregation. But I was breaking. God broke me. And I believe he broke this church. That up to that time. I feel like. We had been a doctrinal Bible institute. Come here and we'll cut it straight. We're the straight cut it church. But at that appointment for me. He broke me. Broke the church. And it was only after that that black people started coming. It was only after that that uh, broken people, the word got out. We got an imperfect preacher in town. His family's not perfect. Maybe we could be safe there. It's hard to make it in the cut it straight church. They never have problems or they learned a hypocrite enough to never show it. The word got out, we were broken. And it's amazing how broken people are drawn to broken people. Broken beyond, I thought, measure. And I never forget on a Sunday morning at the Rio, and all of us here are trying to get over the nightmare of the Rio, that terrible location. But I, uh, I was right about here, and dear Malcolm Lee came up to me, and uh, he told me one other time, he said, Phil, I'll tell you, if I could find another church other than this that wasn't in the ghetto, I'd go to it. I said, thank you, Malcolm. <laughs> get in the ghetto? I said, I don't want to go to church in the ghetto. I said, it's all we can get. We're stuck. Then he said to me, in the middle of that, he came up and he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. You don't want to hear this. But me and the congregation feel like we're watching you die every week. I don't think you can go much longer. I said, well, I agree. I think I am too. What do you suggest? He, he had none. And at that time, John 12 came to me. I said, you know, Malcolm, I'm counting on John 12. That unless the kernel of wheat dies, it abides alone. And maybe Valley's got to see me die before God ever does anything with it. I'm willing to die. Uh, maybe you'll bury me here.
But I said, one thing I know, he said he's got the power to raise what dies. And I'm counting on him resurrecting me and this church. If not, I'll be gone before long and you can find another pastor. Well, that was 19, about 89. How many years has that been? And after that, after that, things started. We lost a bunch of people. And then all of a sudden, God began to bring more different people, began to bring color, began to bring people. And pretty soon, black people started wanting to go, come to this church. Why? And I've had other guys come in and say, how do you attract black people? I said, well, get some black grandchildren. <laughs> That's a good start. How about getting a black son-in-law? I'll tell you how to integrate. Someone said, well, you're a racist. Oh, get out of here, honey. I'm Abraham. I've got him of every tribe and stripe. And we're from pure redneck stock, honey. Missouri and Oklahoma doesn't produce anything but rednecks as a whole. But Christianity is bigger than where you're from. Christianity is bigger. But after that, we begin to see a different blend. I mean, ethnic group. We begin to find out men and women would come. Our child's in trouble. We heard this church deals with that. I said, you're not kidding. We major in it. We weep a lot. Maybe you're looking for a church that never weeps over their lost kids and their lost children because they're the upfront, uptight church. Well, we're not. This pastor, I'm a broken man when it comes. I can't save my own grandchildren. Can you? Well, I don't want to think this building's going to do it. My salary won't do it. It's only the power of the living God that raises the dead can save and change your family. And I want to say to you in love, we need to be inviting all those we can because the same folks are showing up ever. We need to pack this place out because Jesus is coming soon. I don't know where the next massacre is going to take place, but it's a terribly dangerous world. Jesus is going to come. And if he doesn't come soon, we're going to die soon. One or the other, we're going to see his face. It's no time to be asleep or to be quiet. So, don't think God's given up on you, on you. And today. If you're a person that wants prayer, I want to give you one of these promise cards. We'll put them in the bulletin and tell you uh, to hang on to God. If you're in the midst of pressures that are about to drown you, the God of all comfort wants to comfort you. And the God of all mercies, he wants to come down and say, I just wanted you to give up relying on the flesh, relying on horses, relying on family. I'm enough for you. I want you to rely on me. Am I enough? Am I enough? Am I El Shaddai? Am I enough? Am I all sufficient? We used to sing a chorus, He's all I need. But I'm afraid we sing this way, He's all I need, but He's not all I want. Jesus is all I need. He's all I need. And I got to give me, give me, give me list. 
Give me this, give me that, give me that, and I'll be happy. Is he all you need? Yeah. Don't, don't say it if you don't mean it. You don't have, don't, don't amen it. He has a way, as Deborah taught us, I did not find out he was all I needed until he was all I had. Is he enough? Is he enough? Is he enough? God is enough. God is enough. God is enough. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.